Shabbat Shalom. So we are in a series on the gifts of the Spirit. This is part three of our series. We intend to kind of go through 1 Corinthians 12 and kind of highlight the gifts as they relate to the body of Messiah. So uh, thank you for joining us for um, our series three. God has given us these gifts. These gifts are for others. So the gifts he gives to you are meant to be given to those around you, right? So a person receives a gift for healing. That's an order to give to someone who in the body is sick and is needing healing. So all these gifts are really designed to function within the body of Messiah, within our community. And it's important for us to recognize that it's by the gifts of the Spirit that we minister to one another, which means you and I have to learn to ask God for the gifts and to learn what gifts we already have and how to unpack them and move in those gifts. We're kind of talking about the gifts, not necessarily how to move in those gifts. That's another matter, but uh, we got to start with definitions and what they are in order to move into the fullness of those gifts. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 once again, first 11 verses. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Note, it's for the common good, the collective, the community, right? For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by the one and same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. In other words, the Holy Spirit determines which gifts we get, not we ourselves. The Holy Spirit does that. You're not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Let's not try to direct who gets what gift when. Let God be God. Let him give gifts according to his own timing and pleasure that we might experience in our community the moving of his spirit for our common good. So last week we talked about wisdom and faith, the utterance of wisdom and the utterance of faith. Keep in mind, we're talking about singular gifts, okay? So we're not talking about if you have the gift of wisdom, why by golly, you just have wisdom day in and day out for every matter. No, 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 no. You have a gift of an utterance of wisdom. Wisdom given for something that you specifically need or a person around you needs. It's one singular gift for that purpose. And then it's gone until God grants to you another utterance of wisdom or another word of knowledge. Okay? The same thing with faith. 
the gift of faith is not something that you just have 24-7. Oh my gosh, no. We'd turn the world upside down, right? No, the gift of faith is that sudden surge of, of, of the ability to believe God for whatever it is at the moment that you need to move that mountain or whatever it is. That's given by God. You can't drum that up. It's something that's given to you. And you know it when you got it because it's, it's, it's something that's just rising up within you. And so these are singular gifts given for a purpose, a moment, a person, an event. And then it's gone until he gives again. And, and so, you know, uh, God's giving gifts and, and, and his people have them. You, you might receive a particular gift and then a week later you might have a different gift to give out, you know? And I don't know how often that happens. That's up to God. I just got to let God be God, right? I want to give you an example of a word of knowledge. Okay, so th this goes way back uh, when I was kind of, um, we, we, we have in our community kind of a vineyard background. Um, and so we, we are familiar with the gifts of the Spirit. We advertise that we're a Messianic, charismatic congregation. But going back to a conference early on in, in, in the vineyard days when we used to swim in, in those streams, um, there was a particular uh, person who was very celebrated, very gifted. He, he, he moved in the gift of prophecy like no one's business. And usually in the word of knowledge, it's hooked up with the word of knowledge. And he was just, he was just amazing at what he, he could do, you know. And uh, I was always enthralled with that and, and kind of taken in by that. Uh, but at one particular conference, uh, they booked him, a, a, a church booked him for like a three-day conference at their church. And then they had a number of other people come. They were all speakers and so forth. But he was like the top dog, right? So he comes and he told me, he says, when I come, he says, I just got to let you know, um, sometimes I don't get anything. It's, you know, I don't have something I just give out. I have to wait on God. And God gives me something, then I can give it. But you have to understand, I may get nothing, which means you're going to pay me. You're going to put me up, take an offering, and, and maybe get nothing. Oh, we want to do it. We want to do it. And they did. So he gets there. Day one, he's getting nothing. He's in, in teaching, and then he's in different sessions after that. There's questions and answer times. There's ministry times. And pe pe person after person is coming up in, in these sessions and stuff. And, of course, he's just praying for him and just saying, you know, I just pray a nice blessing over you, but I, I don't have anything for you. And so the whole day goes by. He gets nothing. Usually he has plenty of stuff all day long, right? He's getting Zippo. Day two, Zippo. Day three, Zippo. And he's saying, Lord, I feel so bad for these people, this church, you know? Can't you give me something, you know? And of course, the great temptation for those that are younger in this is to go ahead and give someone something because they're trying to draw from you and you don't want to disappoint them. And so it comes out of your own heart you know, rather than from God. And that's never good. You know, it's better to say, no, I don't have anything than to try to give something you don't really have. So anyway, he's saying, God, I feel so bad. Can't you just give me something? You know, this poor pastor and, you know, they're really drawing off me and I have nothing. And he says it was towards that afternoon that um, the Lord, the Lord, he pestered the Lord enough. The Lord said, okay, I'm giving you two words, two words. It's actually three, but two words with a conjunction, mac and cheese. He's like, what? Lord says, mac and cheese. He's like, you know, I can't give that word. Are you serious? Really? Mac and cheese? Oh, this is like, it, it's better I don't have a word than I get mac and cheese. 
he said, I really wrestled with that. He says, I just didn't give it. I just held that. And I just, you know, I just thought, man, I, I can't give that. You know, it's going to ruin my reputation, you know. And he says, finally, he was so pressed by the Holy Spirit, he just knew that he had to do this. So he stood up and he says, you know, I do have a word uh, for someone here. And he says, I don't know who it's for. He says, but I'm just going to give it. He says, mac and cheese. Yeah. And immediately, there was a woman in one of the sections that just cried out, burst into tears. She just started weeping and wailing. And some people got around her. And, and of course, that's usually an indication that God's doing something. You're right. So right away, he was saying, hey, move over. You know, start praying for her. You know? So people are praying for her, some of the leaders. And, and so finally, she kind of you know, got control of her, her emotional state. And, uh, and so he said, okay, so what, what's that all about? You know? What's the Lord doing you know, with mac and cheese? And she told the story of being a single mom and having a son, her only son, whom she loved. And, you know, he's like in his 20s and he has just never served the Lord, just, just hasn't been saved. You know, she grew up in church, they were in church, you know. But here's her son who's lost and she'd been crying out to the Lord for many, many years, save my son, save my son, just imploring and begging and pleading. And she was at the point where she was so discouraged after all those years, so discouraged. She told the Lord, she says, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I don't, I don't even know if you hear my prayers. Maybe you're not even real. She says, but I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't. You know, if you, if you, if you cannot speak to me concerning my son and his salvation, I think I'm done. And the Lord told her, go to this conference. She's like, I don't want to go to a conference. Just speak to me. He says, go to the conference. Why can't you? He said, go to the conference. She says, so I came. And I'm sitting here. And I told the Lord, Lord, I need to know it's you. If you're going to save my son, I need to know that that's you. So this is what I'm asking. My son? She says, this is what I'm asking. I want the specific word, Mac and cheese. I want mac and cheese because my son drives a truck for craft. And he takes mac and cheese to all these different cities. He delivers mac and cheese. So I want the phrase mac and cheese. And if someone will get that word, mac and cheese, I will believe that you've heard my prayers and that you're going to save my son. Is that amazing? That's a, that's a word of knowledge. That's an utterance of knowledge. God gave this man an utterance of knowledge that wasn't for him, but was for someone in order to bring about his glory and an answer to the prayer of a woman so desperate, you know. And I think that's just amazing. So I want to encourage you that sometimes you'll be praying for people or be around people or whatever. And sometimes you'll just get a phrase, you'll get a word or a phrase that's pretty strong, you know, that just seems, you know, like, wow, where'd that come from? A lot of times that's from God. And that's the word that you just need to give. And as crazy as it might sound, you just give it, you just give it. And if it misses or a person doesn't respond, that doesn't mean it was not legitimate. Maybe that person is not responding because of a variety of reasons, but most of the time they will respond. And if you see any indications of them responding, the follow-up question is always, was it, does that mean something to you? you know, what does that mean to you? Get that dialogue going 
And man, oftentimes, if that's a word from the Lord, it's an amazing move of his grace and spirit that just builds up that person along with the giver of that word. And the more you practice that, the better you get at it. So that's how the gifts work. You know, you got to learn how the nature dynamic of the gift, how to release the gift, how to move in the gift, how to follow up with the gift. And, uh, and then you just get better and better at that. And that, of course, is designed to build people up, bring healing to people around you, bring people back into fellowship with God. So, so I know this is all kind of fast and furious, kind of moving through the gifts. And um, hopefully later on this year, uh, we'll have a class where we can do a lot of workshops on practicing the gifts. Would that be fun? Anyone interested? I see that hand. All right, good. Um, great. So this week, what I want to do is I want to talk about the gifts of healings and the workings of miracles. In the Greek text, they're both in the plural. Gifts and healing. Okay, It's gifts and healings, plural. Both are plural. And also the working of miracles. The word for workings in the Greek is plural too, along with miracles. Um, it's also plural. So that's very important for us to understand because it's trying to communicate to us that these are singular gifts. Each one of these singular gifts, he gives those to us in order to give away to others, one at a time. The gift of healing is a gift, not a person. Okay? When a person says, I'm a healer, I got the gift of healing, that makes me a healer. No, if you're a healer, you should be able to heal all the time whenever you want to heal, right? How many people can do that? I don't see any hands. If I see one, I'm going to come to you every time I have an issue, by the way, right? Even medical doctors who want to bring healing to people, they're smart enough to put on their little, you know, label or whatever, medical practice. They're practicing too, and they're doing the best they can. And we validate and affirm that. And we say in the body of Christ, we should have the same humility that we're practicing the gifts. We're not perfect, but we're practicing, right? So the gift of healing is not a gift. I'm sorry. The gift of healing is a gift, not a person. Let's look at an example of the gift of healing being released. This is found in Acts chapter 3. I'll begin to work my way down. This is post-resurrection. Peter and John filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. The ninth hour is the hour of prayer. There's two hours where people would gather at the temple to pray. The morning and evening sacrifice. This is the first one, the ninth hour. They're going to come up to the temple and pray at the ninth hour. Why would they do that? They're Jews. They're Jewish men. This is when, when people would come to the temple and pray at the ninth hour and then at the evening sacrifice, which was late in the afternoon, around 3 p.m. So that's why they're there, because that's what they did. As Jews, they went there over and over and over. All of Judaism was centered in the temple in Jerusalem. Do you think this is the first time they went up to pray? No. They'd been there so many times before. This is just another occasion of showing up at the temple with all the others. Verse 2. 
And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along. This man, they don't know how old he is, but he's not a boy. He's a man. So whatever that age would be, who knows? But she is taking him up to the temple. And he's been lame since birth. Not last week. He hasn't been lame for a couple days. Now this is from birth. This is a significant disability. Significant in every way. So he's being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, in order to beg for alms of those who were entering the temple. People that need money often find the places where they can get money. Panhandlers on the street corners. How come they're not on every corner? Some corners are just worthless. Other corners, high yield. And so you'll find the major different parts of the city where the panhandlers will go to ask for money, right? And boy, let me tell you something. There's a hierarchy out there. You can't just stroll up there to one of those high yield corners and say, I'm going to ask for some money. Now, there's a pecking order. There are people that have claimed those areas, right? Get yourself beat up real quick, right? So, so the point I'm making is this. They're bringing him to the beautiful gate. It's called the, the, the beautiful gate where people are entering the temple because that's a really key place to get money because people are already coming to the temple. They're believers. God is on their hearts. They have needs. They're coming to the house of the Lord. It's the best place to say, please, could you consider me? Can you give me something? People are more apt to give in those contexts. That's why he's being brought here. Every day, every day by his mother, every day. Think about that. It begs the question. Do you think this is the first time they passed this beggar? been there every day do you think this is the first time that peter and john went to the temple of course not chances are they passed him by many times so what was different about this day is there such a thing as an appointed time for your healing think about the man that was born blind another healing story Jesus heals him. The question that has to be asked is, do you think that's the first time that anyone ever prayed for this man? He was born blind. You think his parents who believed in God didn't pray and ask for healing? His rabbis, his community, those that moved in, in great power? Of course. But God said, no, 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 over and over and over because there was an appointed time for his healing connected with his own son and what God wanted to do through that. And that man wouldn't have been healed prior to that time, no matter who prayed for him. It had an appointed time. This man at the temple had an appointed time for his healing. And it was at that time on that day that God was going to release to those two apostles, his gift to be healed. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John 
about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk! And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Now, now I believe, I believe they didn't just have the gift. Of healing, but they were also given the gift of faith. That surge of belief that I know God's gonna heal this guy. I mean, they say, get up in the name of Jesus and walk, and, and they had that surge of faith, and they're like, they're like, we're not even waiting for you. They grabbed him and pulled him up to his feet and let him go. Yeah. They didn't fear, well, he might drop again. Don't don't pick him up. He might. No, no, they knew because they had the gift of faith too, probably. That's why they did what they did. That was like, that, that's a faith action, right? It wasn't necessary to be coupled with that, but that's how God did, did that that day. So he received his healing through Peter and John. This is why people can't go to the hospitals and empty them. It's because people are not healers. God is the healer. God gives the gift at the appointed time for whoever he's going to heal, and he's not healing everyone. Yeah, we don't go around healing anyone. God's the healer. He gives in the name of his son to us, his people, that gift to heal someone. And sometimes God is healing a whole lot of people, and sometimes he's hardly healing anyone. It's his work. We're just yielded vessels. Like Catherine Kuhlman said, you know, I'm a nobody. I don't have any, anything, no money, no education, nothing. You know, I'm just, I'm just who I am. But she said, God, if you can use nothing, here I am, use me. We're just vessels of the Holy Spirit. We're vessels of God's presence. And there's no greater joy than collaborating with him, saying, use me, and then he does. And wow, what? it's just like, the meaning of life, right? Powerful in every way. Acts 3, verse 8. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. I mean, that is like one of the most noteworthy miracles of all of the Bible. When you think about this, everyone knew him. Everyone going to the temple and saw, saw him week after week, year after year. It was just like... He's jumping and leaping and running around. Oh, the revival that must, must have broken out in the temple that day. What an amazing thing. See, God is all about blessing his people and bringing glory to the name of Jesus. So he has a multifaceted agenda with all these gifts. He wants to bless the one receiving the gift and thrill that person in their hearts. He wants to touch the person in need, and he wants to bring glory to his son. So that's why God does what he does. You know, it's just amazing when you think about it. 9 and 10, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. They were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate at the temple. 
to beg alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Got to stop for an advertisement. The Chosen. Did you see? I think it's the second series, series two, in The Chosen, where he heals the person at the pool of Salome, is that? Where they stirred the water. You have to stir the water. If the water's not stirred, you don't get healed. And when the water's stirred, the first one that gets down there gets healed, right? So I don't know how many people have seen that. It's one of the most powerful depictions of what that probably looked like. If you haven't seen that, go find that one, pick it out, and, and watch that. It's real similar to what's happening here. But, you know, the shock and awe is that you just almost have to, like, grub your eyes and think, what? No, there's no way that's him. The, the one that was lame from birth, it can't be him. It's just like what it stirs up and what it creates goes for months on end, and it brings glory to the living God. And I believe that if we're going to bring people into the kingdom, it's not going to be just by sharing the gospel. It's going to have to be coupled with signs and wonders. Because when you share the word and then God does something dramatic, that's what gets people's attention. That's when they say, yeah, God is alive. That, 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 that one that's in the book actually is risen. Because I'm seeing the same miracles that I saw in the book. Okay, let's go on to the working of miracles. Acts 19, 11 through 12. This is, this is the ability to perform the miraculous. And all the gifts are miraculous, but this is a category that is in and of itself called uh, miracles. So I'm going to give you an example of this. The Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 19, 11 through 12. It says, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Again, God's performing it, not Paul. If Paul was a miracle worker, he could do that anytime he wanted, anywhere he wanted, for as long as he wanted. That's not how that gift works either. These are all originating in God, at the will of God, in the timing of God. And if God's not doing anything, it doesn't matter what Paul tries to do, it's not going to work. It's working because Paul is a yielded vessel and God's choosing to use him in this capacity. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. Imagine Paul Maybe he has an old tallit, takes it off, cuts it up in pieces, gives it to different people. People are coming to him from far away saying, hey, you know, I, I live 70 miles from here, you know, it took me a long time to get here. But I have a sick person that I love at home that I couldn't bring. Is there some way, somehow, they can be healed? And Paul's like, here, take this back. What's that? That's part of my tallit. What am I going to do with that? When you get back home, throw it on your loved one. And when it hits them, they're going to be healed. Imagine that. They were going around throwing pieces of Paul's clothing. And people were healed. And those tormented with spirits were set free. The demons would come out and they would be free from them. That's a miracle. That is so out of the ordinary. Who would have thought of that? 
God. And you can't put him in a box. He's always doing stuff and it's usually changing along the way because he's not going to let us put him into a formula as if we can make it work because it's a formula. No, it's God. He does what he wants, the way he wants, where he wants. Our job is to be a yielded vessel and just say, use me, use me, and then learn how to kind of understand what the gifts are, what they look like, what they feel like when you're receiving it, and how to give those away. You know, a lot of times with, with the gift of healing sometimes, uh, I've heard people say this over and over and over, so it's kind, of a, it's kind of like a little bit more of a common phenomenon, but people will say that uh, my hands just heat up. I get this tingling in my hands, and they get really hot, but I've been able to correlate that every time that we're in ministry teams or whatever, and someone needs healing, whenever that's happening, usually when I pray for that person, they get healed. And so that's how that works with some people. Now, it might be different with you or me or whatever, but you have to learn how to move in the gifts of the Spirit by how God is doing that with you. And we're all individuals. We're all different. And so that's going to be a little bit unique to you. All right. So I am almost done. Okay, so in conclusion, the gifts are from God who decides and directs them. They come from God at His timing, and He decides who gets them, and He directs them. 1 Corinthians 12.1, But the one and same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He decides. Number two, they are from members of the church. 1 Corinthians 12.12, for just as the body is one and has many members, <clears throat> excuse me, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. We are one. And though the, the gifts are diverse, And as individuals, we're diverse. Because of the Spirit, we are one family of God. Receiving from God grace, gifts, fruits of the Spirit, so that we can be the body of Christ to our communities and even to our nation. So, my final statement, 1 Corinthians 14.1, passionately seek the gifts of the Spirit. I want us this year to be pressing in and seeking the gifts of the Spirit. Coming to God saying, I want gifts. Reading about the gifts. Exploring the gifts. Unpackaging the gifts. Saying, God, use me. And then stepping out in faith like a doctor with a medical practice. You're going to have a gift practice as you give away the gifts. Hallelujah. Shabbat shalom, that's it.